today we are going to finish off the fourth and final week of our current series, Names of God, that we have been in. And so, again, we've been looking at some of the different names of God as I believe that as we get to know some of the different names of God, it helps us to understand some of the different attributes and the, the characteristics of God and who He is. And therefore, it helps us get a better understanding of God. And as we get a, a better understanding of who God is, it can help us to grow deeper in our relationship with God and who He is. And did you know that as you learn the different names of God, it can even help you in the way that you pray to God, in the way that you talk and in your conversations that you have with God. For example, if you're praying for the Lord to provide, you can call specifically on, on a certain name of God. And I actually use that name when I just prayed a moment ago. Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord our provider. There's specific names of God that mean certain things. And so that's, that's what, what, why we've been going over some of the names of the Lord, as I believe it, it helps us to understand more about who God is. But before we get into the name of God that we're going to look at this morning, I first want to set the stage a little bit for what we're going to be talking about. I love when the Olympics come around. Does anybody else like the Olympics? Or, okay, I'm not the only one in here this morning. Good. So I love it. You know, every two years or so, the Olympics come around. So you got the Summer Olympics, and then, you know, two years later, the Winter Olympics come around. And so they alternate, you know, about every two years. And so one of the things that I really love about the Olympics is I love watching the opening ceremony, right? The host country gets to really show off what their country is all about. They get to show off their history, and they get to really celebrate what that country it's all about, but one of the things that I really enjoy about the opening ceremony is the Parade of Nations. I love the Parade of Nations, which is part of the opening ceremony. As each of the country's teams enter the Olympic Stadium and they get to walk around the track, every nation, every nation gets their grand entrance. They get announced and the team gets to walk around before they take their seat at the Olympic Stadium. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, maybe you don't. I've got a little video to show you just to make sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. just a little glimpse of what the parade of nations looks like 
as the teams are, nations are being introduced as they come into the Olympic Stadium as the Olympics are starting off. Again, right, as you saw there, how do you know what country a team is from? Because there's someone that's carrying a flag, right? One, there's a person from the host nation that's carrying a sign that says what nation it is, but then there's someone that is carrying a flag from that nation. There's a flag bearer from that nation. One athlete from that country gets to carry the country's flag, and it's considered a great honor to be the flag carrier for your nation. Every Olympics, it's kind of a debate as far as who is going to get to be the flag bearer. It's a big discussion as far as who's going to get to be. Why? Because it's something of respect. It's something that goes to someone who really deserves because you get to represent the country. It shows who you are representing. And so I just love that. And why do I show that? You'll understand it in a moment when we get into the name of God that we're going to look at this morning. Today we're going to continue to dive into the book of Exodus that we've been looking at the past three weeks. where We're going to be in chapter 17 this morning, and so if you have your Bible, you can feel free to turn to Exodus chapter 17 if you brought yours this morning. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen behind us when we get to it in a moment. It is kind of a longer passage that we're going to be reading through this morning. We'll break it up as we always do. Um, So don't worry about us going through the passage all at one time. It's a contrast of two different stories. But before we actually get into that story this morning, I want to do a real quick recap of our first three weeks and the first three names of God that we've looked at so far in this series. So in week one, the Israelites had watched God, the I Am, or Yahweh, come and show himself once again to the Israelites. For 400 years, the Israelites have been under Egyptian captivity, and God really hadn't made himself known to the Israelites in those 400 years. God hadn't really, he hadn't really shown himself to the Israelites. They knew God as the father, or as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, so they knew who God was, but they didn't really personally know God until all of a sudden Moses is met by God at the burning bush. And God tells Moses, all right, now is the time that I'm going to work through you to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptian captivity. And God said that I am is the one who's going to send you to deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. And then in week two, we learned about El Shaddai, or the Almighty God, who is going to provide the way for the Israelites to actually get out of Egypt. The Almighty God, who is going to send the ten plagues on Egypt, who is going to overcome every single little God that Egypt served. And there was nothing that Egypt was going to be able to do. There was no God that they served that was going to be able to stop the Almighty God from being able to do whatever He wanted to do. The mighty mountain that provides and nourishes El Shaddai, the Almighty God. And that led to Pharaoh letting the Israelites go, right? But then 
In anger, after he let them go, he sent his army after them in an attempt to capture them and bring them back into captivity. So then, all of a sudden, God had to provide a way again. Here the Israelites were stuck with the Red Sea in front of them with nowhere to go and the Egyptian army behind them. God parted the Red Sea, allowed them to walk through on dry land before bringing it again back on top of the Egyptians. So again, he provided a way for the, the Israelites to be freed from the Egyptian army. But then he brought them to the place of the waters of Mara, which we talked about last week, where there was bitter water. There was bitter water. The Israelites began to think, God, why did you bring us to this place where you delivered us from the Egyptians, but now we're here and there's bitter water? And God was testing them, but God was also showing them that he is our healer, that God is our healer. And that's what we looked at last week, how God is our healer. He takes care of his children as we cling to him, as we look to him, as we depend upon God. He is our healer. And he's now taking them towards the promised land. And now this morning we're going to pick it up with the Israelites again wandering in the middle of the desert. They left the waters of Mara, they left the waters of Elam, and they're wandering in the middle of the desert. So I have a few volunteers that are going to come up this morning. So if I get Molly and Budge, Braden, if I could get you to come up here this morning as well. The three of them are going to help me this morning with our Bible story. And so I asked Budge and Molly, and I didn't ask Braden, so I kind of dropped this one on him. So if I could get the three of you to come over here. So Budge on this side, Molly's going to stand right in front of the stool, and Braden's going to be on that side. And so simply, they're going to help illustrate part of our Bible story this morning as I read it. Just as a visual cue for us this morning as we read through it, because I think if we can visualize some of what we're going to read this morning, it's going to help us understand some of what I want to get across to us this morning. And so simply as I read through it, I want them to act out a little bit of what the scripture talks about this morning. So in our, in our scripture this morning, Molly is going to play the part of Moses. And Budge and Braden are going to play the part of Aaron and her. So we've got Aaron and her, and we've got Moses here. So Exodus chapter 17, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to pick it up at verse number 8. So the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, come choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. So right now they're standing at the top of the hill. Imagine them. They're at the top of the hill, and down in the valley where they're looking down, Joshua and his men are fighting against the Amalekites. So as long as Moses held up his hands, so Molly, will you hold up your hands? So as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever she lowered her hands, lower your hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him. Molly, you can sit down on the stool. And he sat on it. 
Aaron and her held up his hands. So if you want to put your arms out, and boys, yeah, if you just want to hold their arms out. One on, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So here we have Moses, who's standing on the top of this hill. And as long as his arms were outstretched, Joshua and the Israelites were taking down the Amalekites. But as soon as his arms would go down, the Amalekites would begin to overcome Joshua and the Israelite army. And so he put his arms up. But as he would get tired, they would go down, right? And so eventually, they put a stone underneath him. And then they had to start holding up his arms because his arms became so tired. So Aaron and her were literally propping up the arms of Moses. But what was Moses doing here? He put himself in full submission to God. Moses was being fully submitted to God in this situation. In holding out his hands, he was demonstrating that God was fully in charge. Moses was demonstrating he wasn't in charge, but God was fully in charge of this situation. And that's what we do when we put our hands up. We're, we say, I'm not holding anything back. This is all God's. Everything I have is God's. And that's what Moses was saying. I understand this battle does not belong to me. This battle belongs to the Lord. And as long as I can hold up my arms, or as long as Aaron and her can hold up my arms, this battle belongs to the Lord. Moses here offered complete and total surrender to God. So what happens next? We'll pick it up here in verse 14 as we continue reading. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and he called it, The Lord is my banner. He said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. The Lord is my banner. That's the name we're looking at this morning. The Lord is my banner. Or in Hebrew, it would be Yahweh Nisi. Yahweh Nisi. That is the name of God that we're looking at this morning. And Nisi has several potential meanings. And, and we aren't necessarily sure exactly what it means, but all of the meanings are very similar. And so we can draw out what, what we believe the word Nisi means because they're all so similar to each other. It could mean the Lord, our exaltation, as in the one who we lift up. And this would be a play on Moses trying to keep his hands up. He's trying to lift up the Lord in the situation. It's saying he is the one that it is all about. Another term that is used, or another meaning that they look at for the word Nisi, is our banner. The Lord is our banner, which is similar. And I love this picture of saying, 
The Lord is our banner. It's the name that we will lift up. God is how we are to be identified. Right? So it's like saying, He's our banner. It's the name that we will be known by. We will be known by what? We will be known by the name God. That's why Moses was saying when he was holding up his hands, he was saying, I want to be known by the name God in this situation. The Israelites will be known by the name God. He is the one we will lift up. He's the one we live and fight and breathe underneath. It's exactly like the flags of the many nations that were entering the Olympic uh, arena. That's who they compete for, right? When, when the, the athletes hold the flag and they come to the Olympic arena, they're saying, this is who I'm competing underneath. I compete underneath the American flag. I compete underneath whatever flag I'm carrying. That's why they're carrying it, because they're saying, this is the banner underneath which I'm competing. They're identifying under a nation. And we're saying we carry the banner of God because why? We fight underneath the banner of God. We live underneath the banner of God. We breathe underneath the banner of God. We are identified underneath the banner of who? God. Yahweh Nisi, our banner. That is who we are identified under. Everything we do, everything we believe is underneath the banner of of God. Awesome. Thank you. You guys can be done. Give them a hand. Thank you, volunteers. And just to give you an idea, right, that was, that was a couple minutes that they sat up here and they did that. A couple minutes. Just for context, right, Moses and Aaron and her did that all day. All day, they did that. Just, just think about that. As, as Joshua and the Amalekite, or and the Israelites were fighting the Amalekites, Moses and Aaron and her sat there all day like that. I think about that, and it, it just it blows my mind. Here's a question for you guys. How many of you can sing the Star Spangled Banner? I'm not saying like, like necessarily professionally, but like how many of you would say like, I know the Star Spangled Banner when it's played, I sing it, I know most of the words, you know, like you like to sing along with it, right? You know, you know most of the words, you know most of the notes. Well, how, how many of you know the backstory behind the Star Spangled Banner? How it was written, you know, kind of why how Francis Scott Key wrote it. So, the American flag was flying above Fort McHenry in Baltimore Harbor during the War of 1812. The British were shelling the fort, trying to take it. Key was on a ship watching it from a distance, watching all this happen from a distance. And he had lost track of the flag in the smoke and in the insanity of the battle and everything that was going on. But by dawn's early light, the flag was still there. That's where the lyrics of the song come from. I've heard people say that one of the coolest experiences that they've ever had was when they had the opportunity to go to the Smithsonian Museum of History 
where you can actually see the Star Spangled Banner, which this is a picture of the Star Spangled Banner. And you can actually see it there. But what, so what's the point? Francis Scott Key, he was saying he didn't know who was winning the battle. He didn't know in the midst of all that chaos who was going to come up with the victory. There was all kinds of uncertainty. He didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, in the midst, he all of a sudden got a glimpse of a flag, of a banner. And he realized the Americans had withstood the British attack. And he realized that they had victory in that moment. There was a banner that was flying still in that moment. Right? And we know that when we look at this story back in Exodus, that wasn't a question for Moses. He knew that. He said, as long as I can keep my hands up in the air, whether that's me holding them up or Aaron and her propping my arms up, whatever it takes, as long as my hands are up in the air, there is no question where the victory is. Because I know that my God is going to provide the victory. He has shown and proven that as long as my arms are up and I'm submitted that Yahweh is going to provide the victory. It's quite obvious who is going to win the day. And it wasn't his arms that had the power at all. It was his submission to Yahweh Nisi, our banner, the Lord God. The one the Israelites were fighting for. The one God who won the day. Why? God won the battle. He's the one that fights for us. And he is the one that we fight for. God is the one that fights for us. And God is the one that we fight for. How do we carry God as a banner? Right? Maybe that's a question. How do we carry God as a banner? It's not really about what we do. It's about what God does and seeing that he gets the credit. It's about us being willing vessels. It's about us saying, okay, God, I'm willing to do whatever it is that you want to do through me. And then as that happens, I turn around and I say, to God be the glory. To God get all the credit. God did this. I simply was just willing to say yes and do whatever God wanted to do. And give it God all the credit for what God is doing in my life. It's about doing what God wants to do. It's about the way you respond when you disagree with those who may be in authority around you. It's about the way you treat those that you don't necessarily get along with. It's about the way you go out of your way for somebody else. It's about the way you respond when you don't necessarily like the situation that you find yourself in. So how do we submit to God? We open up our arms and our hands before him. Exactly like Moses did. Well, you know, maybe not exactly like Moses did in that situation, but the concept is the same. When we spend time in prayer, it reminds us to submit to God, to submit to Him. It reminds us who is more than powerful enough to win our battles. It's not us. We don't have the power to win our battles. But God sure does every single time. And here's a question that might sting a little bit for some of you. And if I'm being totally honest with you, at different points in my walk with the Lord, I've been guilty of this myself. 
Do you pray like it's an obligation? Or do you lift your hands to heaven like you know that he can win all the battles in your life? Do you pray like it's an obligation? Or do you lift your hands to heaven like you know he can win all the battles in your life? Why? Because God is the one who fights for us, and He is the one we fight for. Yahweh Nisi, our banner. Think about this too. Right? So Joshua and the Israelites are down there in the valley fighting the Amalekites. And Moses, right, his arms are hurting. And it was also work for her and Aaron to hold up Moses' arm during that time. You ever thought about that before? It wasn't just Moses that this would have been difficult for. Aaron and her would have had struggles as well. It wouldn't have been easy for them to be holding up his arms the whole time. Physically, it would have been challenging, but also mentally, you think you'd be getting tired, maybe distracted in those moments, maybe even just a little bit potentially just weary. And emotionally, I'm sure it would have been a little bit difficult to just witness everything that they were seeing throughout that day, what was going on during that time. For us, there's still work to do. Maybe God isn't calling you to be Moses or to do something like what God was asking Moses to do in that situation, but maybe God is calling you to do something like Aaron and her, and he's calling you to prop up the arms of somebody else in one way, shape, or form today. It's not always easy work, and it's not always what we think it will be, but it is going to be work. There is going to be work involved. We have to be willing to fight. There is effort that's going to need to be put forth. Why? Because there's so much work still to be done. God is the one we fight for. It's not just God who fights for us. We must fight for God, our banner, Yahweh Nisi, right? We must fight for him. It's about finding satisfaction in him because there's a relationship for which you were created. Each of us were created for a relationship with God, every single one of us. All the other things in this world, all the pleasures and the experiences of this world will eventually fail you. And I can tell you from personal experience, they will. However, I also know that as be, being identified as belonging to God and being under His banner, under the banner of God, is life and it is life to the fullest. Right? And we're reminded of that when Jesus talks about that. And, and God tells us that when he sent his one and only son, Jesus, in John 10, 10, where it says, what it says, The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. Yahweh Nisi is our banner. He is the one we fight under. Not real fighting necessarily, 
but fighting through this life, fighting through the hard times that we face, fighting through the temptations that are all around us, fighting through the struggles that come our way in life. We fight under his name, under the banner of Yahweh Nisi, under the name of God our Father. He is our identity. He is the flag that we carry. He is who we are. Don't carry the banner of those things that you like to do or the things that you're just good at or the possessions you have or the successes that you have in your life. No, the credit is for God and God alone. He is our identity. He is our banner. He is the only name under all the heavens who we are to call on at all times in our life. Just as, God is, just as God did in handing the Amalekites over to Joshua and the Israelites, as Moses surrendered himself fully over to God, if you fully surrender your life to God, Yahweh Nisi, our banner, he will fight your battles with you. You don't have to try and take on the struggles you're facing by yourself. As you lift up your hands and you raise the banner of God up, you're asking him to come and move in your situation. Our identity is found in God and God alone. Zach and Adam, if you can come back up at this time, please. So as we begin to wrap up our time together this morning, I want to encourage you to fully surrender your heart to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings this morning. That starts by first surrendering your heart to him. So I want to give you the opportunity first to ask Jesus in your heart this morning if you have not made that decision. So quickly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, with no one looking around this morning, if you have not made that decision yet in your life to surrender your heart to the Lord, I want to, I want to give you that opportunity to say, you know what, maybe today is that opportunity where you're ready to give your heart to the Lord, to make that decision. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But simply, if you're ready to make that decision this morning, please simply just quickly put your hand up in the air and you can put it right back down. That's you this morning. All right, great. Second, maybe you need to just open up this morning and let God know that you're ready to fully surrender 100% to Him. Maybe you've been holding on to something, but if you want to truly say that God is the banner over your life, you need to fully surrender to Him every single thing. You need to give Him every part of you. We can't hold on to anything if we want to truly say that God is our banner. We have to give him all of ourselves. And lastly, as the worship team is going to lead us through a final song, I want to encourage you to simply raise your hands and worship God this morning. I know for some of you, it may feel uncomfortable. And I'm not going to force everyone to raise your hands this morning. But I do want to challenge you to take a step out of your comfort zone and just see what God may do this morning. And the reason we raise our hands during worship is an act of surrendering to God, opening ourselves up to the Lord and allowing Him to come and work in us. Just as Moses did in, in raising his hands and surrendering, he was saying, God, I give you total control. 
I give you everything in worship. It's the same thing. We're opening ourselves up. We're saying, God, I surrender. I submit myself fully to you. I give you control. Come have your way and move in me. Myself and a few of our leaders will be up here for prayer. If you would like to come forward for prayer this morning. Maybe there's something that I talked about this morning that you would like prayer for this morning. Or there's something else that you'd like prayer for. As always, feel free to come forward. You can find a spot uh, at the altar by yourself as well. If you would like to just find a spot and pray alone, you're more than welcome to do that. But again, I just want to encourage you this morning. You don't have to face the struggles in life by yourself. We have a God who fights with you. And we have a God who is asking you to fight with him. And there's going to be hard times. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be struggles that we face in our life. But we have a God who says, you can find your identity in me. You can look to me. And I will help you through all of those things. Just cling to me. So as I lead us through one final song, I want to encourage you to have a time of prayer. I also want to encourage you to just surrender yourself in a time of worship. Thank you.